you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. We're going to be in Matthew, as, as we mentioned earlier, uh, chapter 7, and we're going to... Um, we're going to go through a, a bunch. We're just going to kind of jump around a little bit. So I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. And it's uh, page, I believe it's page 593 in your pew Bibles. But that might be wrong. Um, okay. So we've been, yeah, I put that picture up there when I was making the slides. And it's like a little too intense. But it's like, woof. Uh, but we've been finishing our, our Sermon on the Mount uh, Series. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew. Again, this is the story of, of Jesus. So when Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, um, you know, it's not like somebody was there, there videotaping the whole time. Uh, when this amazing thing happened, um, different people, Matthew, one of them, collected um, what people had said and heard from, from Jesus. And he said, this thing that happened, this person came and died and rose from the dead, and it means the world is a totally different place. And so Matthew wanted to write an account of this so that he could tell other people how the world had changed in that moment so people wouldn't forget. So that's why we have Matthew. Um, and we've been walking through Matthew to try and understand uh, what, what Jesus means. What it means that Jesus came and walked the earth and lived and died and rose again. And that's what Matthew's all about. So we've been going through that. And, and we're finishing up today the last part of this thing that we call the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and it's in all the Gospels in different ways, slightly different in some of them. But it's basically a collection of a bunch of the things that Jesus taught about, probably repeatedly. Uh, he's a traveling teacher. They didn't have podcasts or, or Twitter or whatever, so it's not like he could say something one time and everybody would hear it, right? Jesus had to walk around, teach the same things again and again and again if he wanted people to know. Uh, so uh, the Sermon on the Mount is a, is a collection of those teachings. It's a time that he sat down and said, um, this is what it means that I'm here. And as we've talked about Jesus' point, the thing he wants to communicate, the thing Matthew wants us to know is that because Jesus came down to earth and died and rose again, it means that God's kingdom, uh, God's rule and reign, the kingdom of heaven has come down to earth in a, in a unique way that had never before happened and the world just can't be the same because of it. And so the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus trying to explain how the world's never going to be the same again. And so as we've been walking through, um, Jesus has been talking about what it means to live like you believe that um, heaven came down to earth and the earth is never going to be the same again. And what he's been kind of talking about, the question has been kind of what, what are we looking at? Um, <clears throat> uh, where are we going to put our, our focus if we live in this kingdom? And, and Jesus has been warning about all the different ways we can miss the point of life and faith. How um, sometimes in life we can... Um, become really concerned, nobody here, obviously, uh, but we can become really concerned about what other people think about us, right? And how sometimes when we're really concerned about what others think about us, it leads us to practicing our faith in such a way that we're, we're doing it to put on a show, right? Uh, we, we make sure people hear us pray or, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> We do our, our spiritual practice. We go to church because we want to make sure people see us. And sometimes, and it's not even that, that it's because we're 
trying to do something wrong, a lot of times there's good reasons, right? We don't want people, um, we want people to believe in, in God. And so even when we're struggling, we put on a happy face. We pretend we're fine. Um, we put on a show. So Jesus says, don't be an actor when it comes to practicing faith. Don't focus on what other people are thinking of you, uh, but focus on Christ. Then he talks about how sometimes um, your concerns and fears and worries in life can become this, this locus of, of focus, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but um, <clears throat> sometimes our fears can draw our attention and our eyes away from who God is. And when we focus on our fears and, and what's going to happen tomorrow and whether or not everything's going to be okay, we forget that God is holding on to us. And, and so we misplace our focus. And so this last um, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us one more example of something that's really easy to accidentally put all of our focus on. And, and that thing is, it's, it's other people. Um, Jesus spends an awful lot of time talking about this in Matthew. And he believes that sometimes our, our impulse is to focus on what's going on in the lives of others instead of maybe what God is trying to do in, inside of us. And so I'll, I'll give you just a really quick example of what this looks like from my own life. Um, when I started here at Bethel, um, and uh, no comments, please, um, but I had, I had just finished seminary. Um, I was even younger than I am now, um, believe it or not. <clears throat> and I was ready. I was excited for ministry. I had spent, you know, a lot of time just studying scripture and learning. You, you learn Greek and Hebrew, and you just feel like you really know some stuff. <laughs> and I remember um, coming forward that I was so excited to, to be a pastor, and I was super nervous, too. You guys probably remember that, too. Um, <clears throat> But I remember uh, creating my sermons and preaching, getting really excited about what I was going to say. And I had met all of you, and I had a real handle on exactly who everybody was at the church within like 10 seconds, you know, as, as you think. And so I had this idea in my head, and I would read scripture, and I'd write these sermons. I'd get so excited, and, and I'd preach. And one thing that would happen uh, occasionally, and it still happens today sometimes, is uh, people will come and, and greet me, you know, out, and they'd say nice things about my sermon. I always love it when you say nice things about a sermon. Um, but one thing that people would say occasionally, and, and still do occasionally, they'd say, great sermon, pastor. I know somebody who really needed to hear that. I have a, a friend that I'm going to share that sermon with, because they really need to hear it. And, and it happens more than you think. And what would happen inside of me in that moment is I would get this like, this like smug sense of like satisfaction, you know, and be like, yeah, buddy, you're the one that needs to hear that, you know, <laughs> like, and, and I would feel that way. And, and it took me uh, longer than it should have to realize what I was doing in that moment, that I was preaching a message that I thought was just for somebody else in the same way that that person thought what they had heard was just for somebody else. I'm saying, oh, buddy, you, you know this message is for, is for you and your problems. And God's thinking, actually, buddy, <laughs> you need to hear that message. That hole is easy for us to fall into. Um, and the reason for this is, I think, um, there's lots of reasons, but... It can be so easy to see what's wrong with other people, right? Like, have you ever had somebody tell you their problems and you're just like, man, I just know the perfect solution, right? Everybody else's problems are always easier to solve than ours. It's so easy to see uh, others' blind spots. 
You know, and we say and think, you know, I wish this person would just fix that and then they'd be on the right track. Or, or why doesn't my friend just behave this way or treat me a little bit differently this way and then things would be better? Or I just can't believe that that person did that. And when we're doing that, we're taking our focus off of what's going on inside of ourselves and, and off of God and putting it on somebody else. Well, well, in our scripture, evidently Jesus, uh, 2,000 years ago, knew that this wasn't just a, a weird quirk of our age or his age. Uh, he knew this is a part of being human because he talks about this uh, over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about how easy it is to take our focus and put it on what other uh, people are doing, what they need to do better. Um, and so he, he talks about how tempting that is. Um, and he does it, and, and he gives us four, four images. And so these are the four images that he wants us to think about. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Um, that is how he starts. He says, don't uh, be pointing fingers at others, uh, because you're going to have to live up to whatever standard you put on something else. And, and I... I love this Bible verse. I think everybody, this is like the world's favorite Bible verse. You hear it in everybody's mouth all the time, right? And often I, I hear it in two ways. Maybe, maybe you do too. You know, sometimes it's like, isn't it terrible that Sally said that thing? But I don't judge. You know, it's not for me to judge, but isn't it, isn't it terrible that she did that? Or, or the other way that you hear this one sometimes and, and say this one sometimes is, well, I'm glad, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm glad I don't judge like Sally over there, right? <laughs> I just think it's like the human condition in a nutshell. Uh, we quote this verse most often when we're trying to convince ourselves that we're not judging somebody. <laughs> Uh, but on the other side, you know, sometimes we're trying to do the right thing and we read this verse and we think, okay, that means that I shouldn't have any boundaries with people or, or I should ignore somebody's destructive behavior, right? There's pitfalls on either side, but this isn't really what Jesus is getting at here. Um, because we all know what it looks like and what it feels like to stand over somebody else. Uh, we're kidding ourselves if we pretend that we don't. And Jesus reminds us that it's not our job to stand in the place of judge in the lives of the people in, in our life. Our job is to get down in the mess with the person. Does it mean that the mess is good? No, not always. Does it mean we shouldn't have boundaries? No, of course not. Does it mean we should ignore uh, the trouble in others' lives? No, but it does mean that in the kingdom, according to Jesus, when you're tempted to tisk tisk and look down on somebody, that's a really good sign you should be stepping down next to them in the middle of the mess. Because guess what? Uh, that's what Jesus did, right? Even though he had the right to stand above the mess and shake his head at me, he got down in the mess and bore our sins to the cross. Jesus is saying, look out. He's saying, it's, you're not a bad person for doing this. He's, but he's saying, look out. You'll, sometimes you're going to look at others and you're going to do that to take the focus off yourself or to raise your own position. But that's not what the kingdom is. That's not the narrow way. Look out for that misplaced focus. In uh, verses 3 through 5, Jesus tells a story. He gives an example. So we've got a judge and then he talks about a plank he says, why are you looking at a, a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye um, and ignoring the plank in your own? He says, first, why don't you pull the plank out of your eye and then help your brother? And, and I think this, again, is another 
It's another church favorite. Like, I, I say this one to myself and to others all the time. Well, you know, we've got to remove the plank from, from our own eye. And, and I think sometimes we take this one to a, a bad extreme sometimes. I think sometimes we read this and we say, well, I don't want anybody to point out the plank in my eye. So I'm just never going to tell anybody anything about what's going on in, in their life either, right? And we think, okay, um, we'll all just come to church and we'll have this like silent agreement that I'm not going to talk about what I see in your life <laughs> as long as you don't talk about what you see in, in my life. It's comfortable and, it, and it's safe, right? But it's, it's a problem too um, because we can get stuck then. We don't have a brother or sister to help, help us out. Um, but remember, Jesus, he gives us this verse not as a condemnation. It's not a landmine to avoid stepping on, but it's, it's a pitfall. Say, hey, you're going to want to do this. Make sure you're walking the narrow path on this. Make sure you're careful. It's a caution, not a condemnation, a warning sign. And, and I think this is what Jesus is trying to say. Is sometimes, out of genuine, heartfelt concern for others, you're going to see their problems and, and you're going to dedicate yourself to fixing their behavior. You're going to be like, I know what's wrong with them, and you're going to want to help them. Uh, and sometimes you can get so focused on helping somebody else that you can forget about your own issues. The pitfall is, the, the temptation is, to dedicate yourself to helping other people with their problems without getting help for yours. Sometimes we can get so dedicated to helping somebody out with the speck in their eye uh, that we never bother to worry about the log in our own. And the problem is that we can get so focused on what's wrong with somebody else and so blind to our own issues that we can wind up causing tremendous harm in the life of somebody that we're trying to help. Um, and, and this is something that happens especially to care workers, but to, to everybody. You get so worried trying to help somebody else, and, and they want your help, and you're doing everything you can, and you forget to deal with your own issues and your own stuff. And guess what? You, you hurt a lot more than you help if you don't deal with your, with your stuff. So that's, that's the second one. Uh, Jesus says you can't help somebody else if you can't be helped. And guess what? Um, Jesus modeled this for us too. Um, even though uh, he was God on earth and sinless and perfect, uh, he still prayed to his father for direction. Uh, and, and even though he was perfect, as we read a few weeks ago, Jesus actually submitted to baptism. He modeled repentance for us as well because you can't help somebody else if you don't have help for your stuff. So, so the next one is, is we're talking about pigs. I love this one. Um, he said, Jesus says, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. Uh, as I was reading that this week, um, it, it hit me in a way that it never had before. Every time I've read this before, I think about how it's a story about how pigs are bad, right? And, you know, like the moral is like, well, don't give good stuff to bad people because who cares about them anyway? Um, but, but of course, it's, it's the opposite, right? Because if you think about it, it, it's not a pig's fault for acting like a pig when somebody feeds them rocks, <laughs> right? It's not a pig's fault for not understanding the value of a pearl. It's the person who's giving the pig something good that it has absolutely no use for. It's like if you wanted to surprise me for pastor's appreciation by buying me a really expensive drill press. Like, thanks, guys. 
But don't be offended when you see it on eBay. <laughs> right? Jesus says, be careful giving the wrong good thing to people. In our lives, maybe we have a coworker or a friend or a kid that we're praying for to find faith. Or we're praying that God would work in their lives or, or they need help with something and we're just praying that, that they would find help with that. And out of genuine concern for them, we find ourselves arguing and fighting with them about faith. We find ourselves saying, I've got to get the right book or the right tract or the right sermon, and if I just get the right argument, I can convince that person what they need to know. And you wind up up fighting with people about this gift that you're trying to give them. You're trying to convince them of something. And it's because you care about them, right? We've all been there. I've been there. And you should care about them. But Jesus says, watch out when you fixate on what you want to give someone without thinking about what that person really wants or needs, or has use for at this time. Jesus warns, sometimes you're going to be so worried about someone's soul that you'll give them something good that is useless to them. Instead, listen to people. Look at what they need. Instead, focus on Christ and pray for them and count on God and the Holy Spirit to give you what you need to give them. Listen to them. Because guess what? That's what Jesus did, right? Uh, In Matthew, as we read, you won't find... um, Jesus following somebody around that doesn't want to talk to him. Uh, You won't find Jesus trying to convince and argue to somebody that he is who he says he is. Instead, um, it's amazing. You'll find him listening to people um, and their questions. Uh, You'll find him responding. Jesus often responds not with easy answers to the questions he's asked, but with more questions and stories. And, And the reason he does that is because he wants to help people get what they need and understand what they're asking. Because at the end of the day, even Jesus, God himself on earth, when he walked around with people and saw their needs, he never tried to give anybody something that they didn't need without listening. At the end of the day, he left it up to them and the Holy Spirit to come to him or not. And finally, uh, Jesus warns about one more uh, place we misplace our focus, and and it has to do with, uh, he he talks about them as prophets, and that's in 15 through 23. It's a long section. I'm not going to read it, but I encourage you to to take a look. Jesus ends, the the fourth group, he says, um, so, you know, three people that we put ourselves over, the people we judge, the people we feel like we can help, The people we feel like really should appreciate the good stuff we're giving them. The people we look down on a little bit. And then he finishes with the people that we look up to. He says, be careful with the people you're looking up to. Finally, uh, Jesus warns, he says, um, when we look to somebody as a a prophet um, for all the right answers, he says, look out for the people that attract a, a big crowd because of the things they preach or predict or perform. You guys don't have to worry about that. Uh, No. Now, look out for the people that uh, have a a long list of um, people that are drawn to them. He says, be careful when you're really drawn to an individual because uh, the temptation is when you see somebody impressive, whether it's in faith or a speaker or an author or whatever, the temptation is to focus on them, to put all your chips on, on their square and to say to that person, you tell me who God is. Oh, that person tells me what God's word says. That person said, this is going to happen, and I put my hope in their predictions. And Jesus says, sometimes, not always, but sometimes these kinds of people will do amazing things. 
Sometimes uh, they'll write beautiful books. Um, sometimes they'll do miracles that you can't explain any other way. Sometimes they'll speak prophecies, and, and sometimes they'll do things that you just can't explain, and, and you're going to want, Jesus says, you're going to want because you're human, not because you're bad, but because you're human. You're going to want to put all your hope in them, because it's much easier to look at a person than it is to focus on me, Jesus says. And he's like, you're going to think that by following them and, and reading their books and doing whatever they say, it'll put you on the right track. But Jesus says, watch out. Wait and see what comes out of the lives of these people and the people around them in the long term. This is, you know, it's not bad to, to listen to, and I encourage you, listen to other preachers and read books and, and whatever. It's not bad to, to do that and to get excited about teachers and preachers. There are certain authors that I absolutely love, but the temptation is always uh, to make them um, your focus rather than Jesus. So Jesus lists four things, uh, four ways uh, that we focus on others and what they're doing um, and usually wind up avoiding looking at ourselves and, and what we need to be doing. And Jesus says, be careful. He says, uh, you're not condemned for doing these things or feeling this way. He says, just, just be careful. You're human. You're easily distracted. He says, sometimes uh, you'll look at others to take the focus off of yourself and cast judgment on them. Sometimes out of genuine concern for others' needs, you'll see their problems and dedicate yourself to fixing them and their behavior rather than letting God work on you. So sometimes you're going to be so worried for somebody's soul that you'll give them something good that's useless to them. Or, or sometimes you're going to want to look at others and put them on a pedestal and follow them instead of me, Jesus says. But right in the middle of all these examples of the pits that we fall into, the places we trip up so easily, right in the middle of those warning signs, uh, Jesus tells us, fortunately, what we should do. This is not, it's not just about what you don't do. It's about what you should do. And he says that in verse 13 and 14. He says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only... A few find it. If you're going to find that road, you've got to be focusing on the right thing. Um, if you guys know me at all, um, you know, actually, the first Sunday I was here, the next week somebody gave me a compass because I revealed how terrible with directions I am. Um, I'm terrible with directions. Um, GPS, like, saved my life. I'd probably be in a ditch somewhere if it weren't for, for GPS. But do you remember what it was like before we had GPS and you had to follow somebody somewhere? And it was like, oh, we're all going to so-and-so's house. Just, just stay behind me and follow me. I, oh, I hated that. I still don't like it. People want to follow me. And I'm like, no, please, just put it in your GPS. I don't want to follow you. It's, it's fine. Um, it's hard to follow somebody, especially in an unfamiliar place, an unfamiliar city. And it takes all your focus if you don't want to get lost, right? You might not understand this if you're good with directions, but let me tell you, it's true. Because the thing is, when you're following somebody through uh, city streets, it's easy to lose sight of their car. It's easy to miss them, and it's really hard to find the right path again. If, if you get stopped at that red light, and they keep going, and they're not paying attention, and they don't stop for you, you're, like, you're, you're done, right? Well, life's, life's road, uh, the kingdom, following Jesus, whatever you want to call it, is, is not easy. The road is narrow, Jesus says. And if we want to find it, we better make sure we're following the right person. 
It's not always easy to find the right path. It's very hard. And so Jesus encourages us. He says, he says the path to life is narrow. So don't look at them. Look at me, Jesus says. Not me, definitely not me, Jesus. We're always tempted to put our focus on others, either by lifting them up or looking down on them. But Jesus says, I want to work on you. Jesus uh, says, focus on me and I'll change your heart. Follow me on the narrow path. And guess what? If you follow me, um, then I might work in their lives through you, but only if you stay on the road. Jesus doesn't want us to be obsessed with others and their issues because he's really trying to work on mine. He can, he is, and he will. So the question that I invite you to wrestle with as we sing our, our closing song today, uh, two, two questions, and, and whatever you come to God's word in this church or you hear something from me or from somebody else um, or you're just walking down your life, these two questions help put our focus in the right place. And the first is this, God, what do you want to say to me today? Because it's easy for me to think of what he wants to say to other people. It's always easier to think of what God wants to say to other people. But the question is, God, what do you want to say to me today? And how can I hear that word and put it into practice? Because Jesus invites us not just to keep our eyes on him, but to walk the path behind him. To put our lives in him. And we're invited uh, whenever we desire to uh, pray to him and tell him, Lord, I know I can't make it on my own. I believe in who you are and I want to turn onto your path because we lose that path sometimes. Jesus finishes, uh, he finishes the sermon with this, little, this last little story. Um, his last little story, and he says it like this, thinking about everything that he's told them, everything that he's told us now through 2,000 years. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But all of you, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Jesus invites us to put our lives on him. He invites us to stop pretending we have it all figured out and put our faith in him. Would you pray with me today? Lord God, you made us and you know us and you sent your son to walk around in the mess with us. You let him be captured and killed for us. He died and rose again so that we might be set free from our sin and given new eternal life. So Lord, if, if any of us this morning need to confess to you our need, I pray, Lord, that we do it. If any of us this morning need to remember who you are 
I pray that we do it. And all of us, Lord, who need again and again to turn and return and repent back to the path that you're walking ahead of us, Lord, I pray you call us back to that path. As, you, as we worship, as we conclude the service, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that you'd tell us of those four things, what, what I need to hear most. And you help us to embrace the joy that is repentance and being transformed and put back on the path after you, Lord. All because your son came and lived and died and rose again. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.